already been. Amen? As God is a, a faithful God. In the book of Mark, chapter 8, verse 31, and that's where we're going to go from, and that's where we're going to start off. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn there. And uh, the title of, of the sermon this morning, for those who are taking notes in the sound room in the back, which I want to thank you guys, and I appreciate your service back there. Um, the title is Peace, Purpose, and Power. Peace, Purpose, and Power. So we'll get into that, but I just want to start off, and I want to set the stage for, for, for the service this morning. Um, in the book of Mark, chapter 8, verse 31, it's a very important uh, verse. And um, have you ever encountered somebody who talks to you and repeats the same thing over and over and over again? How many people know what I'm talking about, right? You raise your hand. Usually you get upset at the person, but the reason why they're repeating it is because you don't listen, right? And, and they, have, they know that they have to repeat it a couple times more than just once. And, and the reason why I say this is because this verse right here, as Jesus is speaking, Jesus says these words six times. These same exact words six times. And the words are in the book of Mark, chapter 8, verse 31. It says this. The Son of Man must, what does it say? Suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and killed. And after three days, rise again. Let's just be honest here this morning. What captures your attention about this verse? Shout it out. Come on. Participate with me. Let me feel like there's a church out there today. Come on. What catches your attention there? Come on, say it louder. He rises again, right? That's important. That's probably the most important, right? Because that's, that's what makes our, our faith alive and living. But that's the most important thing that captures my attention. The fact that he says that after three days, he rises again. But, you know, I think that we're cheating as individuals because we know the story. We're cheating. Phil, we're cheating. We are cheating because we know that he rose on the third day. So it's easy for us to say, well, what captures my attention is that he will rise on the third day. I want to grab the story of Jesus and bring it down here to us so that we can understand it really well this morning. And, and I want to put you and the person next to you in the story of Jesus. And, and I, want to, I want you to see how the disciples were feeling at this moment. The disciples at this moment were hearing Jesus speak, and he says, you know, the disciples are hearing him, and, and the disciples start hearing things that are real to them. What's real to them? That the fact that people suffer, that's real. Uh, as you continue, rejected, that's real. They've experienced that before. And then it says that, they, that he's going to be killed, and, and that's normal for them. That's real to them. But then he goes off and he says something that it crosses the line of the natural. And Jesus now says, but do not worry because I am going to resurrect on the third day. And the reason why I want to share this is because that is the most important part of this scripture. And that is the most important part of our faith. The fact that Jesus lives and that he rose from the grave. Now, the reason why I say this is because Jesus, knowing all things, he's telling his disciples important information that cannot be ignored. The fact that he was going to suffer, the fact that he was going to be rejected, the fact that he was going to be killed, and the major fact that he was going to rise on the third day. He was telling his disciples, listen, there is a purpose why God sent me, and that purpose is for you, for me to overcome death, for me to conquer death. Now, the glorious part about Jesus dying, the fact that the veil was broken in half completely from the top to the bottom broken. How many people can say amen to that? The fact that Jesus rose on the third day and the fact that now the veil was torn gives us access in a relationship with God the Father. 
And when he tells his disciples, I am going to suffer, I am going to be rejected, I am going to be killed, and on the third day, I will rise again, what he is telling his disciples is that he is going to make a way for mankind. That he is going to make a way for mankind. Now, as I say this, man, it's amazing because for us, these stories are the end. Like, we know what happened. But for them, they were experiencing it for the very first time. I don't know, and and I want to get into the story when Jesus rose and he appears to the disciples. But I want to set the foundation this morning in regards to scripture and this story. You know, when, when... When God says, I'm going to send my son to die on the cross, to be buried in the grave, and three days later to rise from the grave, that is the ultimate love story for you and I. And then when this veil breaks from the top to the bottom, if you understand this, I mean, if you look at scripture, every Jewish individual knew the separation between man and God. Like every individual that that was Jewish and and religious and the scribes and the Pharisees from the Old Testament to the New Testament, they knew that there was a gap between man and God. They knew it. Can you imagine the mentality in a Jewish individual when they found out that this veil was torn from the top to the bottom? Can you believe, can you understand an individual who took an oath of faith in following Jesus and finding out that the veil was torn from the top to the bottom? It makes access. He makes a way. So when God says, I'm going to send you my son to die on the cross. And three days later, he's going to rise from the grave. It's saying this, I'm going to make a way for humanity to once again have a relationship with me. He says, I'm going to make a way to have a relationship with you. That means that he's going to make a way for whatever you are going through so he can draw you near. That means that now as individuals, we have the authority and we have the boldness to be able to enter in. God is saying this, I want a relationship with man that goes beyond the veil. A relationship that doesn't worship me from afar, but a relationship that takes the authority and the boldness to come right into my presence and recognize that I want a relationship with my people that goes past the veil, that doesn't stay on the outskirts of the veil, that doesn't watch from afar, but a people that enter in. Of people that enter in. So can we come to an agreement here in the book of Mark chapter 8 verse 31 that the disciples knew what was going to happen? Can we say yes? Like Jesus told them clearly what was going to happen. And not only once but Google it because I Googled it six times. Six times because I don't know how many times and, and you know and, and if somebody ever says oh the Bible says this 25 times don't think they stood there and read the whole scripture and they started counting no you google it you google that stuff you google that stuff so Jesus tells his disciples six times and clearly what was going to happen are there any surprises church are there any surprises we know what's going to happen he's going to suffer he's going to be rejected and he's going to die But three days later, what does it say? He's going to rise again. So everything should be perfect, right? Perfect. Let's go to the book of John. Let's see what happens here. In the book of John chapter 20, it shows when Jesus rose from the grave. It shows what he did. It shows who he visited. It's an amazing, I mean, it's awesome. It's great. 
But you know, there are people within the church, and including myself, that although God gives me a word and I read what scripture says, I sometimes forget about what he told me. Do I have any, any friends here this morning? Like, I know what he told me about my family. I know what he told me about my calling. I know what he's told me about certain things. But unfortunately, there are times that I forget what he told me. And why do I forget what he tells me? Because of the circumstances and the situations that are going on. And look, you know, I, I, I don't know what was running through their minds. I can't imagine what was happening. But I do know one thing, that when the risen Christ appears to the disciples, it is a glorious story. That I wanted to, I want the story today of the risen Christ and the appearance that he did to the disciples just change your world dramatically this morning. And I pray that the Holy Spirit transform your heart as I share these words with you today. So in the book of John chapter 20, just real brief, a couple verses that we're going to be reading, verses 19 through 22, the risen Christ. It says, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, it says what? What does it say that the what were locked? The doors were locked. The doors were locked. This is Jesus, the risen Jesus. The disciples are obviously in a room with the doors locked. Right? Yeah. It continues and says, where the disciples were what? With fear. Not only were they fearful, but the doors were locked. Right? As long as we're on the same page. And they were fearful of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. Amazing words. When he had said this, he showed. It says he showed them his hands and his sides. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. There's your purpose. Verse 22. And when he said this, he breathed on them and he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. There's your power. The title of the morning, this morning's message is peace, purpose, and power. Let's get into the message here. In verse 19, as, as it's describing the occasion, what captures your attention about this story? Well, obviously, Jesus was right. He wasn't lying. He told them the truth, that he was going to be suffering, that he was going to be rejected, that they were going to put him to death, and that he was going to rise. What captures my attention about this story and what kind of puts me almost in the same shoes of the disciples is this. That in the midst of God's word to his disciples, in the midst of the promise, and the, in the midst of the situation, the disciples go to a point where they are hiding. It says that they lock the doors. And you know, I love the risen Christ because the risen Christ can penetrate and get to certain areas that you can never imagine. I know in my life that there are areas in my life that I have locked up and I hide away in the midst of his word. Look, the disciples, it says that they were in this room, they were hiding. It says that the doors were locked. But I'm here to tell you that the risen Christ, the Christ that I serve, the Christ that dwells in your heart, wants to penetrate every area that you lock up. Now, here's a glorious thing about this story here, that Jesus told them that he was going to die and that he was going to rise on this third day. Obviously, it was the third day. Can we agree with that? On the third day, I mean, he gave them the word six times. I don't know. All 11 were there, and I can only imagine they were in a, in a room, fearful, and we're going to get into the fearful. But the door was locked, and they were in this room, 
I don't know, man. Sometimes I think about this story and I'm like, God, would I have been peeking out the window? Like, God, would I have opened the door a couple times? Like, God gave you a word. God gave you a promise. And it seems like sometimes because of the certain circumstances that are going on, we never see them come to pass or we can never believe that they're going to happen. But God gave you a word for it. And here are the disciples locked up in a room. They're probably looking at each other. And I don't know, but nobody stands up and says, hey, remember what Jesus said? No one stood up and said, hey, Jesus told us about this. I think about the story, and, and I'm sitting with, my, with the disciples, and I'm probably wondering, hey, 24 hours are down. We got 48 more. Remember what he said? Hey, 48 hours. We got 24 more hours left. Remember what he said? How many of us know that we need that kind of disciple in the church? Hey, I know what it looks like around here doesn't look good, but Jesus gave us a word. Listen, there's got to be somebody in the church, and there's got to be somebody in the family. There's got to be somebody in the marriage. There's got to be somebody in the workplace that can stand up and say, hey, I know it's like this. God said it was going to be like this, but I know there's a third day. I know there's a third day, and there's so many people in the church walking around forgetting and ignoring that third day promise. The fact that Jesus said, I was gonna, I'm going to rise, and I'm going to unite you with me. And you know, the fact is that God, when he sent his son Jesus, it was to unite us. And when he unites us, we receive all the riches and all the glories that are found in all the heavenly places. And yes, he's talking about the fact that Jesus rises and, and he rose and he unites man and he breaks the veil. But it gives us access. It gives us a relationship. It gives you the ability to say, Abba, Father. Listen, I don't know what area in your life you have locked up. I don't know what it is that you may think that God forgot about you or he isn't there. I don't know what the situation is that there is a closed door. But I'm here to tell you today. That Jesus can go there. <laughs> Jesus can go to your marriage and get in that marriage. Jesus can go into your children. He can get in. You know, Jesus can go where no doctor can go. Jesus can go where no counselor can go. Jesus can go where no preacher or pastor can go. Jesus is in the business of going to places that are locked up and you feel are impossible. We have a Jesus that loves us so much that he rose to meet you and to get to areas that you think he cannot meet. He wants to penetrate. He wants to get in, man. He wants to come in. And, you know, as you read this scripture in the book of John, it says that on the same day of that week, the disciples were there assembled. And, and it says that the doors were shut. They were shut. They weren't. They weren't allowing any visitors. Have you ever been there? When you've closed up, you've isolated yourself, and you're like, God, forget it, man. You're never going to be able to do this. Look, I've been there before where there's certain areas of your heart that you've just closed up. And this isn't to the individual who comes to church or who's happily married. This is the individual who has something in their heart that is locked away, and you don't allow God to come in because you feel as if God failed. Listen, the disciples were put in a position where they forgot about what Jesus told them. They forgot. 
they allowed whatever was going on to forget about the living Christ, what Christ told them. I'm here to tell you today, I forget everything. Like, I forget what I preach on Sundays. That's why I hear it throughout the week to see what I said. I forget what I say here today. Can you imagine Jesus speaking to you and telling you, hey, I'm warning you, man. I am going to get persecuted. I'm going to suffer. They're going to kill me, and I'm going to rise on the third day. If you are a disciple and you see Jesus getting, going through suffering, getting beaten, getting killed, and they put him in a tomb, will you start the countdown? I'll start the countdown. But the disciples, because of what they were going through, forgot, man. Don't be a church that forgets God's word in your heart and in your life for your marriage and your children. God sent his son Jesus to rise, to go to hell, and then to come to you. You were on his mind. You were on his mind. It's a glorious story, a glorious story of the risen Christ. You know, as we read and, and we continue reading, it says that they were filled with fear. Like, I don't know if you have certain areas in your life locked up, and you may not be that person, but you may be that person that's living with fear. And I have to be honest with you because that's the only way I know how to share the word of God. There are so many times that fear gets in the way of what God wants for me or what God has told me. There's so many things in my heart that I deal with in regards to fear. And it's not that I don't believe in God because scripture says, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. And there are times in our lives where because of what we are going through, we can never imagine that there is peace, purpose, or power in our lives. And that's why Jesus comes and says peace two times to them. Peace. You know, I've always tried to figure out, you know, how God works. I've never been able to. People claim they know, but I, I, I haven't been able to figure it out. But the greatest thing about Jesus when he appears and he, he comes as the risen Christ is that he goes to the disciples in what kind of state? Do you think the disciples were in a good state? How many people think that the disciples were in a good state? I don't think they were in a good state. I'd put money. I'm not a betting or gambling man, but if I had to, I wouldn't say, man, the disciples were ready to heal the sick and, and start the Great Commission right about now. I don't think that's the answer. I think they had lost hope. I think that they were hopeless. I think that they were filled with fear, like Scripture says. And how many people have experienced fear? Yeah? Are you in a good state when you have fear? Come on. When we're filled with fear, everything goes down the drain. And here the disciples are filled with fear, locked up in a room, scared of the Jewish people. And I think about this and I'm like, God, how can they be afraid? How what, couldn't they see it? Like what, how many of us know that when we're going through something, we don't see clear sometimes? Oh, Jesus. Now it says that they were afraid. And, and I, I want you to, to draw your attention to this because I'm just going to be honest. And right now you may be going through something that, that you're going through fear. And I'm here to tell you that Jesus visits those areas of fear. He goes to those places and, and observe your life, examine your life and see where you are at. And, and, and I've been fearful so many times. And, and I love sharing the word of God because I take the opportunity to be transparent with you. I take the opportunity of using everything that I've gone through in my life to share scripture. And look, I, I'm just going to be honest. You know, so, sometimes I feel scared 
that I will never do what is expected of me. This is just my honest, this is my life. Sometimes I wake up in fear saying, God, am I going to be able to do what is expected of me? Like what the church is expecting of their pastor. And then I look over to my wife and I, and I, I say to myself, I'm scared. I'm sometimes filled with fear if, if I'm ever going to be the man and the husband that she desires of me. I look at my children and sometimes I say, man, God, I'm scared. I'm scared. I'm fearful, man. I, I have to instruct this, this young lady that you've blessed me with. And, and I have to father her and I have to pastor her. And sometimes I'm scared of what is expected of me. And I don't know if I have any friends in the, in, in the church here this morning, but certain things can just rob and steal your fear. I've also been scared that the church won't prosper. It won't grow. I've been scared of sometimes in my life thinking of, of my own faith and saying, Lord, I want to finish this race. I want to do everything I have. And sometimes I'm like, do I have what it takes? How many of us have children? Raise your hand if you're a father or you're a mother. Yeah. You know what my greatest fear is? My greatest fear as a pastor is that the faith that I teach my children, they wreck it. They like, they do a disaster of it. That's my greatest fear. Some of you are living that fear. As a father, I'm trying my best. I'm doing my best. I hold this to the utmost of ministry, which is my family. But one of my greatest fears is that when Aaliyah gets to an age that she needs to make a decision, she make the one that I've instructed her to. And that's her decision. I can't force it upon her. I can't make it for her. I could only do what God has called me to do. But that's a fear that my kids wreck the faith that I've taught them. This is real. Life that we're living, unfortunately, brings this fear in my life. Life that we're living, unfortunately, locks me up in a room at times. Life, unfortunately, makes me close the door and receive no visitors. But how many of us know that there is a God in heaven who had a greater plan? He sent his son Jesus to die, to rise from the grave and say, I'm coming in no matter what. And you think about this story, and Jesus doesn't even knock. I don't know if the disciples are scared for their life or scared the fact that Jesus just walked through the room. I don't know what's going on here, but they were filled. If they were scared before Jesus appeared, when Jesus appears, they were even more scared. But we're going to continue. Everybody understand where we're at so far? The risen Christ, man, can go and penetrate those areas that you have closed off in your life. If you have anything right now in your life that you have sealed and closed off because you feel that God can't get there, I have news for you. The risen Christ can get to places. <laughs> Give the Lord a clap offering this morning. Amen. So verse 19, it talks about how the doors were closed and, and they were shut and, and they were assembled there in fear. And it says this, that Jesus came in and stood next to them. Oh, this is great, man. How many of us, you know, sometimes, you know, the worst thing you could ever think is that God wants to draw near to those people who are doing great. 
That doesn't exist. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that he he came for the sick. Those who don't need any healing, he didn't come for you. I love this story because it's amazing because if I look at the story and I really look into it and you do the commentaries and you do the study, you will recognize that the disciples were in bad shape. They were in horrible shape. They were in fear. They were anxious. They didn't know what to do. But Jesus, because of his promise and his word and his plan for mankind, he does what he says he came to do. And see, now this whole tearing of the veil makes sense. It makes sense, this whole tearing of the veil, where Jesus says, come on in, man. Come in. I'm with you. And you know, the veil was torn not only so that you can go in, but so that God can come in. See, unless that blood wasn't shed on Calvary, you know, there was a distance. There was hostility between man and God. But God now says, I send my son so that now not only you can come in, but that I can come in. Because he loves you. He loves you. And you might be saying right now where you're at, how can he love someone like me? I've turned my, look, the disciples had turned their backs. The people who changed the world. The people that's, we're here because of them. They were hiding. They were scared. It doesn't just start with you. It doesn't just happen to us. And you know what the worst part of it is? Is that we know the story. At least they didn't. They didn't know what to expect. So the Bible says that that he comes and he stands in their midst. And I'm here to tell you this morning that that's the work of the risen Christ. He goes into areas that can't go in. Nobody can go in. He goes into areas that are filled with fear, and he stands right next to you. It says in verse 19, as they were assembled with fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, peace, be still. Look, I just want you to hear those words here today. Peace, be still. Pastors just say, you don't know where I'm at in my life. Peace. Be still. I want you to try to put yourself in that room just for a moment. Can you imagine what the 11 were feeling? I don't know, man. But Jesus appears, and all of a sudden as Jesus appears, I could only imagine the words that Jesus said on those days. It's true. He said he was going to come back. All it takes for you is to place your eyes on Jesus for you to remember the promises of God. So Jesus comes and the words he says was, peace. He doesn't come and say, what are you guys doing in here? Right? All right. How many of us love to look at people and say, you are, you, you guys, man. Are you, are you kidding me? What are you, how can you possibly be in that state? Don't you know what God, and you just start rattling off, you know, he starts quoting the scriptures and everything. And Jesus comes in and just says, peace, because that's what we need. The title of this morning is, 
peace, purpose, and power. And if I were to ask you this morning, if I were able to give you all the peace in the world, if I'm able to give you all your purpose, if I'm able to give you all the power that you desire, which is the one that you would pick most? Answer, answer, come on. Peace because we're in church. Peace because we're in church. But let me tell you something. There are people in this world that have lost their peace over power and over purpose. There are people within the church that will lose their peace for power. There are people in the church that will lose their peace for purpose. But I'm here to tell you today that the number one gift that God can give us, and he showed it through his son Jesus, is peace. Because the fact that he died on the cross and he rose from the grave was for one reason, and that's to give us peace. That's to give us peace. You know why God sent his son Jesus? To give you peace. Not to give you a big home, not to give you a marriage, not to give you children, not to give you, not to give you, not to give you, but so that we may have peace with God. People don't want to hear that. So when you complain about what you don't have, give glory to God for what you do have. And that's peace. You are a friend of God. So, as we continue reading here, and we've noticed what Jesus does in his risen state, I want to get into the peace, the purpose, and the power. Can I do that this morning? And this is where I want you guys to kind of like bear down and pay good attention this morning, because now Jesus speaks to his disciples. You guys ready? It says this, uh, verse 20, it says, when he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad. They were so glad that it was him. Verse 21. So Jesus said to them again, peace to you again the second time. Here I am to give you peace as the Father has sent me. I also send you. There's the purpose. He's presenting the peace. He's presenting the purpose. And then when he had said this, he breathed on them and he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit and there is the power. And I want to break down these three because these three are amazing points in this scripture. The number one thing he says is I'm going to give you peace. How many people have conflict in their life? If you have conflict, raise your hand real high this morning. If you have extra conflict, you can raise both hands if you'd like. You can look over to the person next to you and say, I have a lot of conflict in my life. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning that Jesus was sent to this earth to come against your conflict, to give you peace. It's an amazing thing that despite whatever we're going through, we can find peace. Whatever you're going through, God says, I sent you my son Jesus so that you can have my peace. Not that I will take away your storm or I will take away your drought, but I will give you my peace. Listen, God will, I I wish I can express this even better, but I've always tried to remove conflict from my life, but I've never been able to remove conflict. But what I have seen is that I can always allow more peace in my life. And so many of us go after peace in so many ways. As a young adult, I thought I would have a lot of peace in my life when I got married because it would remove an area of my life that was horrible. How many people can say amen to that, if you know what I mean, if you can read between the lines? I said, God, when I get married, oh, man, that's it. I'm done with that temptation. I want to let you know until you have eyes, unless you're blind, you will always 
put that to death. You must put it to death. Male and female. So I thought that when I would get married, I would get peace in certain areas. But what I realized that it didn't bring me any peace. So I said to myself, when I have a child, it'll bring me peace. <laughs> I didn't get peace with my child. As a matter of fact, I had a crazy wife. And it, it... So some of you are saying, well, I know. If I get that job and I make that figure, I'll have peace. Guess what? You didn't get peace. You know, this is a funny, true story. My daughter is in a stage of her life that I don't have peace. She's 12 years old. And, you know, I'm always telling people, hey, you got my number. I I want those people who have, have victory and have the experience to leave me your number so I can schedule an appointment with you. So I'm in a stage in my life where she'll walk into the room and I'll just stare at her. She'd be like, what, dad? I just don't talk. I'm like, and her mom, Leo. So I just put my head down. I just walk away. A couple weeks ago, our youth and young adults were going to the fair. It's awesome, right? Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for church and all their activities. Guess who's going to the youth nowadays? My daughter. And guess who's singing now in the youth? My daughter. So they had an event to the youth fair, to the youth fair. So I said to myself, I got a plan. I'm going to take her to the fair that day, no, the day before. And I'm going to give her such a great time that she won't want to go to the fair the next day. (laughs) Do you think I accomplished that? Absolutely not. The day came and she's like, Dad, I I, want to go to the fair. So I said, you sure you didn't have enough good time with your your dad and your mom? No, Dad, I want to go to the fair with the youth. So I'm like... All right, you know who was in charge of the event? My niece who's 18, 19 years old. Do you know where I went on Friday morning? I went to my brother's house. I said, I need to speak to you. She says, what deal? I said, listen to me, young lady. You are going to the fair. I don't care how many people you take to the fair, but you are going with my daughter. You don't hold Alan's hand that night. You hold my daughter's hand if you have to that night. You watch her. She says, all right, deal, relax. I'm like, no, I'm just letting you know. She goes to the fair and 7 o'clock pass, 8 o'clock passes, 9 o'clock passes. And my wife says, I can't believe you're staying up. I said, I can't breathe. <laughs> I said, I can't breathe. She says, she's with the group. I can't breathe. So she looked at me. She knew it was serious. So I turned the TV on the living room, and I stayed up. And I, I, told, I called my dad and my mom, and I said, I believed what you said. Que tu no dormía hasta que yo era. Look, and this is just the beginning. This is just the beginning of the fact that my family doesn't bring me peace. Don't think a family is going to bring you peace. And I'm not even going to get into my wife because she gets on these things and she hears me. I'm not even going to talk about that. Marriage will not bring you peace. 
The only thing that's going to bring you peace is the work of Christ on the cross that allows you to be right with God. I told my church, you don't bring me peace. I looked at every single one of them. You don't bring me peace. You stress me out. And Jesus says, peace, I come to bring you peace. And I want to let you know that, that you need peace above all things because that's what God's purpose was with man, to bring peace with us. Everything else is bonus. But the fact that you have peace with God, man, the fact that you can stand before God and say, Abba, Father, like I was an enemy, you had eyes of wrath, and now you love me. You accept me. You know, some of us live life to fulfill our purpose and to have power, but if you don't have peace, it's, it's worthless. You can't fulfill your purpose and function in power to receive peace. What does that mean? Well, I'm going to go to church. And I'm going to go to midweek and I'm going to give my 10th and I'm going to go serve the pastor and I'm going to go do the, all these works are great, but you don't do those things to receive peace. You do those things because you have peace. Huge difference. There's the difference between religion and relationship. So it says, that he brings peace to destroy conflict. The second thing, he gives power to destroy weakness. He gives purpose to destroy aimlessness. You know, as, as individuals, you know, as we read this and, and we understand this, I really, purpose and power is awesome and it's great because that's what we've been called to do. But we can't do any of it if we don't have peace with God. And if you're living in a state of your life where you're locked up or you're scared or you're allowing the things of the past to steal your present peace, God is saying, I am here. Listen, I'm going to say this, but literally, but if you just spiritually look to your right and to your left, God is there. God is there. God is here with you. That's the purpose. Sometimes we feel that he's so far away because of what we're going through. And the honest truth is that he's right there and he wants to reveal himself to you and he's showing you who he is. In our lives as individuals, we must understand that power and purpose does not establish peace. The purpose and the power that God gives us does not establish peace. There is nothing we could do to establish peace, but the fact that Christ died and rose from the grave, the risen Christ is what establishes our peace, and that's what's going to allow us to fulfill our purpose and to receive the power. Give the Lord a clap offering this morning as he is an awesome God. The gift of peace is foundational for us. We must understand that without peace, we cannot function. Without it, we are lost. Without it, we will never be fulfilled. The fact that you don't understand that Jesus is your peace offering, 
The fact that you do not understand that Jesus came for you and died and hung on the cross and rose on the third day so that you can enter into the Holy of Holies. The fact that today you may be in a place where you've locked up and you said, God, you can't reach me here. Have anyone, any friends? God gave you a word and right now you are living locked up in bondage. There are areas of your life that you do not give up to the Lord. That you've locked it up, man, and you're saying, God, you cannot be here. You cannot come here. You'll never reach this. Listen, the fact that Christ rose from the grave, listen, he is everywhere, and he can go anywhere, and he can penetrate anything. And today you may be dealing with fear. And God says, I'm right next to you. I want to destroy the conflict in your life, says God. And I'm going to give you peace. I'm going to come and destroy that life of living aimlessly and give you purpose. And I'm going to come and destroy those areas of weakness and give you power. As the music ministry comes up, if you're here today as as a believer in Jesus, if you are part of the church, you know, this whole Christian walk is, it's about, finding your purpose and it's about you functioning in power it is it is but without peace you can't do it you can't do it you know there's so much things that we go through in life that the first thing it wants to steal is what your peace your peace i can sit here to blue in my face And remind you of all the glories that God has told the church. But until you don't recognize that he's standing right next to you. Until he doesn't say, look at my hands and look at my side. And the action of Jesus becomes a reality to you. Today you may be living life without peace. And I'm here to tell you today. What is big enough that can steal your peace, man? Come on, man. Be, what is it? Most of the times we, we lose our peace over what? What are some things you lose your peace over? What is it? Fear. What about certain things that, that steal your peace? Sometimes. Huh? Traffic. What about family? Does that steal your peace? What about your job? Right? Yeah? Yeah, Yeah, I'm getting some people now. Now people are looking at me. Yeah, yeah. I'm here to tell you that. Do you know, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. Shout it from your chair if you think I'm wrong. Most of the things that steal our peace are God's blessings. Think about that. What God blesses us with usually are those things that steal our peace. Think about it. What matters most to you? What steals your joy? As a pastor, I love the church. I love the church. And as a pastor, sometimes it's hard to to balance Unless 
God's called you to give your life for the church, you will never understand what I'm about to say. But for me, for us, I can trust God with my wife. I can trust God with my children. I can trust God with a lot of things, but to me, unfortunately, sometimes it's hard for me to trust God with the church. And I struggle with that. Sometimes I look at the church and I allow the church to steal my peace. And you guys are probably saying, Pastor, how could you allow that? But it happens. When the church is doing good, I'm doing good. When the church is doing bad, then unfortunately, sometimes I allow it to affect me. But my point of that statement is that we cannot allow the blessings of God and the things that God has called us to do and everything that God has surrounded us with to steal our peace. Listen, the church needs to be at peace. Your pastor needs to be at peace. When Jesus appears to the disciples, he knew that the road was going to be a difficult one. Jesus comes before his disciples in a risen state, and he tells them this. The first thing he says, peace. Jesus knew that the journey was going to be a tough one. Listen, this life isn't easy, but one thing is certain. That when we have the peace of God, we can fulfill his purpose. And when we have the peace of God, we can function in his power. If one thing is missing from the church, it's not purpose. It's not power. It's peace. That's what's missing. Go to my church. When you go, you walk in, it's glorious. It's not the largest church. It's a good-sized church. They've made a facelift in the whole place. They've painted walls, put up lights. They've done this. They've done that. I mean, you go there, man, and it looks like a well-oiled machine. The church is not missing purpose, and the church is not missing power. You'll see altar calls with people crying on the floor and God's presence moving, and my God, there's wondrous things going on. of God oh my God you guys understand what I'm saying today God wants to tell you peace I told you I told you I told you in my word that mother and father will turn against themselves I told you I told you that you were going to have sorrow. I told you. I told you you were going to be lonely. 
everything you're going through, God told you. It's not new to us. I'm going to be that person in the room where the disciples weren't saying, hey, let's not forget about what Jesus told us. Don't forget about what God said about your family. Don't forget about what God said about your children. Don't forget about what God said about your career. Don't forget about what God told you about your ministry. Don't forget about what God called you for. Don't forget about it. Remember it in the time where you're locked up. Remember about it when you're in fear. Remember, and I'm here to tell you today that God is here. And that God is with you. And that scripture says that he will never leave you nor forsake you. The peace, the purpose, and the power of God. Let's all stand in the house of God. It's evident today that if you are lacking peace in your life, listen, right now, if you're anxious, tell the person next to you, I'll see you after church. If you're anxious today, I want to pray for you right now. If you're an anxious person and you allow your mind to take over, and you don't have control of your mind, if that's you today, just come right up because I want to pray with you today. And I want the peace of God to fill you today. So don't wait till later. Just with your heart beating real quick, just come right up if you're an individual who deals with anxiety. restore your mind right now I've gone through a lot of things in my life one of them is a mother who's dealt with mental issues and I've seen God do some great things and I'm here to tell you today that God wants you to have peace today God may be calling you to make peace and the Bible says that blessed are those who are peacemakers Jesus, Today, if you're in this church and you are struggling with fear, come up to the altar. If fear has you at a place where you can't see God's purpose or power, the altar's open for you today to come up and say, God, I'm here. Remove this fear. The Bible is clear on fear. The Bible says that you shall not be dismayed, that you are not alone. He says, I am with you. Today, God wants to make that evident in your life. Today, if you need the Lord to free you from that fear, just come up to this altar here today.
God, I ask that your Holy Spirit move with liberty in this place. I pray that you do what only you can do. Father, visit them wherever they are at, oh God. Show them, Lord, that you can penetrate any area of life, oh God. Father, break their fear with your presence. Oh. Establish peace. Oh God. Oh Lord. Oh. In your presence. Father, we don't want to take this moment for granted. And God, I thank you for your son, Jesus. Jesus, as you sit at the right hand of the Father, we worship you. God, I thank you for peace, for making peace with man. Thank you. Jesus, thank you for being the sacrifice and shedding the blood. God, I just pray that you fill this church with peace. I pray, Father, for the pastor, the shepherd that you've placed here, for the leaders that you've placed here, that, Lord, yes, our goal is to be in your purpose and our anointing to work in your power, but let us function in your peace. Let our marriages be filled with peace. Let our homes be filled with peace. Let this church be filled with peace. Because that is what we desire, to be at peace. In your presence, Lord. In your presence, Lord. Everything will be okay. In your presence.